Welcome to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast for Monday, November 22nd, 2021. I'm your host, Kevin McDonald, and I am an executive producer here at New Mexico PBS. We thank you for tuning in as always. Got a bunch of great stuff uh, from the past week that we want to share with you here. And we hope you like uh, this way of digesting the interviews and the stories that we cover on the show each and every week. And we want to start out with our line opinion panel, our most recent line opinion panel, which a reminder, that was a regular Dee Feldman, a former state senator, also a regular Tom Garrity of the Garrity Group PR, and the founder of the group Everybody Votes, Dave Mulryan. So great group to talk about some comings and goings in Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's administration. We talked in the last episode, which we encourage you to listen to if you haven't already, about a big departure. The state engineer, John D'Antonio, handles most of the water issues in New Mexico. He announced that he's leaving at the end of the year, in part because, as he put it, he's taken the office as far as it can go. Uh, And some of that seems to be related to resources and budget. Uh, D'Antonio says he was told to present a flat budget for the coming year and uh, so um, there's a lot of upheaval there Uh, this week though the governor did appoint a new water advisor as well as a broadband advisor but the big splash was an infrastructure advisor someone that will help set up the systems and make decisions about where the nearly four billion in federal funds we're getting from the infrastructure bill will go that name None other than former Albuquerque Mayor Marty Chavez. And the line has plenty to say about that appointment and how this should all work out. Also, the governor made a splash last week by announcing that she is going to propose a cut to the gross receipts tax, a quarter of a percent. The first cut in nearly 40 years will no doubt have bipartisan support, but how much of a Uh, impact will it really have and is it really just about politics given that the governor's headed into a re-election year so plenty to dive into let's get right to it with our line opinion panel This week, our environment correspondent, Laura Paskus, reported on the sudden resignation of the state's top water official, John D'Antonio. Two other top water officials are also leaving soon, and all at a time when the state is facing crucial decisions about our dwindling water supplies. At the same time, the governor announced on Wednesday that she was naming three high-level advisors for water, broadband, and infrastructure. The last one will be filled by a familiar name, former Albuquerque Mayor Martin Chavez. And Didi, you know Mayor Chavez well. What do you make of all these moves, but particularly his? Um, I think it's a, I think it's a good move. Mm-hmm. I think that he's experienced and will do a good job in that post. I remember when uh, Governor Richardson uh, uh, appointed Tony Anaya to be um, the um, sort of the czar of the ARA funding ah, uh, in the right. wake of uh, in the wake of the 2008 recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was well received. It depends, of course, on how he works with others, mm-hmm. uh, how he works with uh, local officials. And well, uh, let me ask you about that. Just to interrupt for a second, he's going to be tasked with helping determine spending priorities for roughly four billion dollars in federal funding for infrastructure projects across the state. Is, is it appropriate to have this all go through one person as a czar, so to speak, or 
Is there another way to handle well, that amount of money? That's a lot of money. Charge. There has to be somebody in charge, but there also has to be a process. He okay. needs to set up a process whereby local uh, governments and state officials can come before him and the public can participate in a forum in which they say uh, how the money should be spent, which projects are mm -hmm. shovel ready, mm -hmm. which are not, uh, how long they would take. I'm more enthused about the water czar uh -huh. that uh, that the the governor appointed, mm -hmm. uh, who is the, now the chief engineer for the Middle Rio Grande Conservancy District, uh, Mike Hammond, mm -hmm. and I think he's going to going to make a difference. Of course, the big appointment there is state engineer, and we don't know who that's going to be, right. but I think that'll be very important. Uh, Tom, dovetailing on what Didi just laid out, which is awesome. Um, how important is stability in an administration versus, you know, getting new blood and new thinking into these important positions? We need a little bit of both, okay. actually. You know, I mean, to you know, kind of play off of uh, a comment that you made uh, with Didi as far as, you know, the, the amount of money that Mayor Chavez is going to be able to, you know, help to facilitate $3.7 mm -hmm. You know, to put that into perspective, the city of Albuquerque's operating budget for FY22 is uh, $1.2 Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of put all of that, that is a lot of money. Uh, but, you know, not to belabor the uh, the good comments that were already made, you know, the transition, it definitely has hit or it appears to have hit the Lujan Grisham administration a little bit more than others. Mm -hmm. But it's really not that unusual, because when you take a look at, you know, just the changes that all of our businesses, all of our lives have, ha have really happened over the last, you know, uh, 15 to 16 months, uh, you know, you really see a lot of transition. People are saying, you know what, maybe it's time to go do other things. And I think that's perhaps uh, in part, not, you know, obviously, you know, the, the low staffing uh, numbers at the uh, engineer's office, maybe that's what John D'Antonio uh, was looking at. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's what John Blair uh, is looking at, a great public servant who's going to show up again somewhere else, most definitely. But it also provided an opportunity, all this transition, for some familiar faces to return, you know, point. like uh, uh, Secretary John Garcia, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who was Secretary of Tourism, Secretary of Economic Development under uh, Gary Johnson, mm -hmm. is now over the General Services Division. So, you know, the the transition, um, you know, from you, you don't like to see that much, but you know what? It's it, to me, it's not that concerning. It, it appears that you know Kurt Steinhaus is in a very good position with PED, mm -hmm. uh, and so you know, there's there's transition. But I, I'm not all that surprised by the amount of transition that I'm seeing. Good point there. Dave, I got to wonder, um, revolving door perceptions, is this just normal course of business for, you know, you go through four years, you want to have some new blood in? Or is there, is there actually some political fallout for the governor when you have people leaving? Well, I mean, I think that, look, mm -hmm. nobody likes change. I mean, there's, you know, human beings tend not to like change. Dogs don't like their routine disrupted. So mm -hmm. it does, there is some perception. But I would argue that the governor and not just this governor but governors nationwide we are in a big new era you know ronald reagan stood up in front of the country and said government isn't the solution it's the problem president biden has come along and said government is the solution he is a new deal liberal if like what this bill does what he proposes that it will do mm -hmm. we have not seen or heard from a new deal liberal since I would argue possibly Lyndon Johnson. I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. we could, you know, maybe Jimmy Carter. But, 
you know, we are in a whole new era. And I believe that the, that the, the governor is, she's well connected in Washington. She spent 10 years there. I think she is understanding there is a huge flow of money about to hit New Mexico. Let's not waste it. Let's not blow it. Let's make sure that we can channel it and be effective with it. And I think she understands mm -hmm. that because she understands the power of federal money flowing into states. Let me, That's let me, my take on all of this. Let me jump in quick. Just we got some uh, limited time, but a really important deal here. Uh, Senator, some late breaking news involving the governor this week. She announced plans to introduce the first reduction in the state's gross receipts tax in nearly four decades. According to the governor's office, the cut would save New Mexicans about $143 million a year. A prudent proposal? Would the state be better off using that money to bolster the office of the state engineer? Possibly. <laughs> yeah, and I really think that's what sent D'Antonio out the door, mm -hmm. was his instructions to come in with a flat budget. Good catch there, yep. Um, <laughs> yep. But I think that the proposal of a reduction of gross receipts tax by one quarter of 1% uh, will have some effect. Uh, it'll be politically popular. But I really do think that this should be part of a total tax reform package, yep. not just a yes. one. Um, and we, we now have the money to do that. And we had started the process. Of course, every governor has started the process and started task force and so on. That's right. and, it's, it, and it hasn't gone very far. So I can see the effort to, you know, do at least something. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think it needs to be uh, a part of a package. Tom, Tom, your thought on this? You're a business owner. Is 0.25 going to do anything for you? Uh, no, but the intent is there. Mm -hmm. I, I really like the intent. I totally agree with Didi. She's looking off of my talking points. I just know <laughs> it. But, uh, you know, maybe, you know, just really bringing Jason Harper to the table and having those very difficult conversations during a 30-day session, I think is possible. We definitely have the surplus. As a business owner, I'm thrilled that there is a reduction in, uh, or a proposed reduction in gross receipts taxes. Can we, can we get after pyramiding at the same time? That's the real problem absolutely. here. Absolutely, oh my gosh. You mm -hmm. know, pyramiding is, is like the great scourge for all small businesses yep. on professional services and stuff. And I, I think that the governor, not that you know anyone's focused on reelection, but you know, really restructuring it and helping small business mm -hmm. uh, during these times, uh, and you know, maybe even providing some additional grant programs for small businesses. I think all of that can be accomplished <clears throat> during this legislative session. Good points there. Thank you all, panelists, for always, for, uh, thank you always, sorry, for those insights. You can read Laura's full report on Mr. D'Antonio's resignation and the troubles looming for water here in New Mexico by heading to NewMexicoInFocus.org. We have done so much talking. You're probably sick of us at this point, but it's an important issue. New Mexico undergoing an entirely new process for redistricting in our state. This once every decade process of figuring out boundaries for elections in state, federal, all kinds of races. This year, we have a new citizen redistricting committee that was set up by the legislature to take public input, do research develop maps to present and uh, have the lawmakers vote on or change. That has all happened, and we're expecting that December 6th is the date when a special session will happen uh, to uh, for the lawmakers to do just that, to take a look at the work done by the Citizen Redistricting Committee and make any adjustments or changes. 
a lot of folks who have been involved in this pushing for that CRC, uh, the Citizen Redistricting Committee, uh, including the task force that paved the way for the CRC, uh, have been pushing for lawmakers not to go too far afield from what the uh, approved maps are. There's about three for most every uh, particular category that the lawmakers will be considering. Well, we wanted to check in with some of those advocates uh, for this new approach to see what they're going to be looking for, what they're hoping for, again, from the task force work from the group Fair Districts New Mexico. And so this week on Facebook Live, or I should say last week, host Gene Grant caught up with a pair of those people, uh, including from the League of Women Voters, uh, to get the lowdown on redistricting and what comes next. Thank you very much, Lou. Hey, guys, welcome. It's Wednesday. It's noon. Time for another Facebook Live. We always appreciate you joining us for these live via Facebook. We're going to talk about redistricting. Of course, if you've been following these Facebook Lives, you know that we have had Justice Chavez uh, from the CRC, the Citizens Redistricting Committee, a couple of times when this first started, and as well as some other members. Uh, but right now, we find ourselves in a little bit, that little middle space between action by the legislature which is coming up in the middle, I'm sorry, in the early December time period, not too many weeks away, and what just happened. So we're going to talk to a couple of folks who have been watching over not just this whole process, but have had uh, a good, what I would call a third eye on this whole thing and really kind of keeping us all in their interests. And that would be Dick Mason from the League of Women Voters. He's the project coordinator, coordinator there, excuse me. And also we're pleased to have Kathleen Burke. She is with Fair Districts New Mexico. She is the project coordinator over there as well. I may have that title just a little bit wrong, Kathleen. You can help me out in that. But let's start, let me start with you, Kathleen, on that. And let me, let me ask you just to back up a little bit, uh, just in case there's always folks who are not quite leaned into it as we are, uh, you and media people. In brief, the CRC, what was it designed to do? And then what did it come up with? And then we'll get to the legislature here in just a little bit. <clears throat> Yes, hi, Jean, thank you. The, the CRC, Citizens Redistricting Committee, was designed to take the input from the electorate or the people of New Mexico, take the wishes of the electorate and um, compile maps that the Citizens Redistricting Committee found fair. Mm -hmm. They did a fantastic job of that. They held meetings around the state in two separate rounds. I believe it was approximately 20 meetings, give or take, wow. that had um, participation as well as live participation. They took well over a thousand comments from the public and they came up with maps that they deem to be fair. Mm -hmm. And the committee itself was made up of a bipartisan team um, from both major parties as well as three members who don't, do not affiliate with one of the major parties. And those members were appointed by the State Ethics Commission. So the, the CRC in short has already done the hard work of creating maps that are based on the input from the public and based on data, based on hard data, based on hard census figures. And these are maps which I, I think we can trust to be really legitimate and really uh, ones that, that the legislature can also trust to be legitimate. Mm -hmm. Interesting there, I wanna come back to that. That's an interesting point you just made and that is gonna dovetail obviously into the conversation about the legislature. Uh, but Dick, real quick, I wanna get your take on this as well. Um, 
you know, sometimes things run right from the top, so to speak. <clears throat> and I'm curious how your opinion of how Justice Chavez approached this and, and the result that you see so far. Oh, you're on mute there. Um, if, if, if people don't realize, Justice Chavez was on the Supreme Court and he oversee, oversaw the 2011 lawsuits um, brought after the 2011. So he had history of working with redistricting and he was so invaluable. Um, both he, he chaired the New Mexico First Redistricting Task Force, which was a 25 person um, cross-partisan cross group that recommended a lot of the things that ended up in the Redistricting Act that created the, um, uh, the Citizens Redistricting Committee. Um, so his leadership and his knowledge of the redistricting process was key in, in directing, directing this process. And they were under a very tight timeline. Remember, originally they were supposed to get the census data at the end of April. They got preliminary data on August 16th oh, wow. and the final data data on September 30th. So they they were under <laughs> very tight and um, you know research and polling which has done the last two maybe last three um, redistricting you know consultants on it uh, they were invaluable they did an amazing job also mm -hmm. in providing the support and, and actually working with the committee to develop the maps. Really didn't hear any, any you know, hand wringing or consternation or anything else out of the committee. Everyone seemed to be in lock agreement, even though, as Kathleen mentioned, and Kathleen, I'll bounce back to you on this for a second. We had our fair number of, I will use the word in its original context, partisan folks, you know, they have one side and another. And then, as you mentioned, the folks who are not partisan, but in general terms, it didn't feel like any partisan, any side tried to squeeze the other out. What was your sense of that? Was it as nonpartisan as we, as it looked from the outside? Well, um, yes and no. Uh, okay. I agree with you that it, it was not contentious. Um, uh, very, very little of, of anything even leaning toward that. Um, but the two sides were obviously present. Um, they they were um, somewhat making their wishes known, but you know it was they were they were really hospitable toward one another and to, toward the public, mm -hmm. and and they worked together. And in the end, you know, each of them had their shot at voting up on every map. And so that really got to use their, their partisan voice or, or the voice of just reason for what, which maps they thought were the best, party or no party. You know, they did get to vote on each individual map. Interesting points there. Uh, Dick, with uh, League of Women Voters, let's talk about this middle space we're in now. Uh, it'd be a good time for the citizenry. I'm not saying they're not caught up with it, but there is an interesting space right now to catch up if you have not been paying attention to the process that we're talking about. Some people are just not process people. That's okay. But now that we have this result, what, what should people take away? And what, you know, the citizen's voice has been heard, but we have another set of elected folk coming up uh, deciding on this who would need to be heard from as well. Which, where should citizens be right now in this little middle period we're in? Okay. Um, well, what, what you know, what our job is, you know, uh, Fair District New Mexico and our 35 partner organizations in Fair Districts of New Mexico, across the, from across the political spectrum, is to put sunshine on the whole process. Mm -hmm. um, the Citizen Tradition Committee did their job and they did it well. Um, we think 
you know, they showed respect for the, uh, you know, for the citizens of New Mexico. We think the legislature has to show that same respect for the wishes of the citizens of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. So we have to put a sunshine on the whole process um, and make sure that um, people are watching. This, you know, I don't think what, I think the legislators are beginning to understand this is not 2001 or 2011. Redistricting right. is far more on people's radar than it has been in the past. Um, so people are gonna be watching this process. So it's our job to put that spotlight on the process. Mm -hmm. If, um, you know, what we're asking is during the legislative session that the legislature pays attention to the spirit and the letter of the Open Meetings Act mm -hmm. uh, in their sessions, that if they, if they do amend the Citizens Redistricting Committee maps, that they explain why they amended those maps. The Citizens Redistricting Committee gave very detailed explanation of why they chose the maps. Mm -hmm. I think the legislature, if they change those maps, um, deserved, I mean, they should give the same uh, explanation to the people of New Mexico of why they changed them. Mm -hmm. Good points there. Kathleen, you know, uh, Dick just touched on a couple of bullets there. You guys have outlined expectations you would like to see from the legislature. Let's go ahead and, and Dick, you can pick back up on this as well. But go ahead and lay out, if you would, in, in, in the terms, detail, you, you know, any way you want to do it. What are you expecting from the legislature at this point? Well, piggybacking on on the last question, you know, mm -hmm. one of the big things is sunshine. We, right. we really hope that they are going to hold all the hearings and all the meetings uh, in the public eye so that the public can, can witness um, the conversations, the decisions, any votes. Uh, we would like to be present to see, um, to watch this unfold. And so, so that's a big part of it and, and transparency on any documents um, and, and any votes in particular. And we, we intend to be there and we the public to be there with us. Mm -hmm. We, we expect that the the legislature will follow best practices in regards to redistricting. Those are laid out. They, that we have we know best practices from other states which have used them. Um, this is not new. Fortunately, it, when it comes to redistricting reform, we do not have to create the wheel. This is done in other states, so we have good models to follow. So best practices, we, we hope that our legislature will engage in the best practices laid out for redistricting. And you know some of those are, for example, not protecting incumbents, um, and, and other expectations of you know adhering to communities of interest, right? Our communities of people who are like-minded or with with similar goals in their communities, and they they may choose to to have one representative, one district. Um, so that's essentially it. We mm -hmm. it comes down to those best practices and and transparency. Mm -hmm. And we will be we will be advocating for those all the way up till the day the special session begins. Uh, we are in contact with the legislators now, uh, talking to them about how do we accomplish this, how can we facilitate that, what can we expect, and um, so yeah, it, it's it's a lovely process to see it unfolding, but it's also hard. And yeah, I bet. Uh, do we have a date yet, by the way, Kathleen? Have you heard anything? It's not official, Gene, but we are, We what we know is December 6th, okay. uh, unofficially. Yeah, the interesting thing I found out about is, yes, it's December 6th. They don't want to announce it because the day they announce it, they have to stop fundraising. 
Oh. <laughs> That's an issue. That's yeah, a I didn't, that, that was an education for me. Someone. <laughs> That's yeah. interesting. Hey, Dick, do pick up on what Kathleen started about uh, communities of interest. That, it, that's interesting to me. We get a lot of feedback about that here right. at New Mexico PBS uh, during the run-up to all this. That was a big, big, big topic for us. How important is that for you guys going into this and, and your watchdog stance on this? You know that the whole first round, you know, that the, the, the CRC did two rounds of meetings. The whole first round was about communities of interest. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be, you know, the Native Americans, which are very clear, you know, or whether it be where Kathleen lives, the International District, um, the, you know, or, um, you know, it, for instance, Edgewood saying that we don't want to be split. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Roswell and Carlsbad saying, we, you know, we have two senators from Albagordo, but we don't have one from Ros Roswell. Mm -hmm. Uh, those type of comments, you know, we are a community of his interest. We want a representative to a representative. Yes, that is key. Um, you know, um, that was key. And that was the whole first round of, of meetings was from communities of interest. Um, you know, we heard, you know, I was at the hearing um, up in Las Vegas and we heard from one of the districts up there that were split by the mountains. And they said, you know, we don't cross them. <laughs> Uh, you know, so those type of things where you get a real education about the communities that, you know, and, and what they're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, represent, you know, communities of interest are, are important. That's, that's whew, it sounds complicated. That sounds real, that bit right there sounds really complicated. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the, def, if you look at the explanations that the CRC gave, mm -hmm. um, you'll see how they conform to the majority of, you know, what, what they heard, you know, the majority of hearing what they heard at these, uh, at these hearings. Mm -hmm. Exactly um, right. Kathleen, another interesting bit uh, is on the congressional maps, one of the versions has a bit of uh, CD2 kind of sticking up like a finger into Albuquerque's current CD1 territory, kind of this, I'm going to call it about a five mile wide cut that cut, goes from north south and ends at about five points. I, you know, I'm not asking for your opinion, opinion, whether you like it or not. What I'm asking is, is, is something like that, I'm, I'm guessing, is to get balance out of a district uh, population-wise? What, 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 what was the reasoning behind that little offshoot there for CD2? Well, yeah, great question. And, and I technically, I do not know for certain, but I do recall, uh, you know, we attended all the hearings ourselves. Mm -hmm. I, I do recall that there were a substantial number of people who advocated for bringing the South Valley um, down into CD2. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what that's what you're referring to. And so mm -hmm. that's what we see here is um, the CRC responding to the many, many people who asked, who felt that the South Valley of Albuquerque belongs uh, with uh, Congressional District 2. Interestingly, mm -hmm. So that, because of the agricultural nature more of the South Valley, that was the that was the that was the rationale to it. I see. You know, and I talked to one um, legislator who who thinks that it makes the three districts more competitive. Um, hmm. You know, mm -hmm. competitiveness was not one of the criteria for the you know the CRC, right. but his his particular that that was his particular take take on that map. Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting as a practical matter, as an ex congressional staffer, I, it, there's something about that map that, you know, you're going to have to have literally another satellite office right up in that chute <laughs> if you're if it actually is in CD2 because the 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 inclination from history and everything else is to run to the CD1 congressional office if you have a problem in that area. It's going to take a while. Right. People right. Used to that. It's interesting. And, and that's a budget consideration as well when you talk about congressional districts and having to open a lot of satellite offices, which is a big problem here in New Mexico, since we're the fifth largest state in the union, since we're so so giant. But let me let me touch on this, that again, Dick. How important is that population balance in the overall? Is that a, is something you're going to be watching very, very closely? Or is it okay to get just a little off balance to get to a bigger goal? Well, you know, in the congressional in the congressional seats, they're down to 10, 15, 20 people. And a lot of that it has to do, you know, with federal, how the federal Mm -hmm. Overseas, you know, overlooks that. So they're 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 very close. On on the house, I mean, on the state seat, seat, you know, the New Mexico Senate, New Mexico House, and the Public Education Commission, which is the other ones that they're charged with redistricting, mm -hmm. is we we as advocates and originally we wanted plus or minus five percent. Okay. The, when the bill went through the legislature, they changed it to ten percent. Not plus or minus five percent. Okay. Now, what we found out during the hearings, part of that is a consider consideration that was put forward by the Native American communities about their concern that the census undercounted Native American um, populations, so that they wanted some adjustment in in the deviation for them to consider the fact that they were undercounted, mainly because of the pandemic. Although Historically, they've been undercounted also. Um, so, you know, th that may have been, you know, the, the legislature may have changed it because of, you know, concerns expressed by the Native Americans. We didn't know at the time, but mm -hmm. th that may be why they have changed it. The only concern about that is that, you know, if they give someone a 7% deviation, <laughs> the person who gets 3% deviation could challenge it. I see. Uh, you know, it's a balancing act. It was a legitimate concern on the part of the legislature and the CRC, but it does open you up to, you know, some challenges for the people who got less deviation. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Kathleen, you know, you mentioned you're talking to some legislative folks already. I'm going to assume leadership is part of that. Have you, got, have you gotten a sense of how long uh, the special session might last? Has anybody... Uh, gone that quite that far yet? We are we are speculating. Um, some of us think that it might wrap up within a week. Um, others of us think we could see it stretching into two weeks. So not all mm. we know, though, unfortunately, we would like to know more, but that, that's all we have. Right. right. You know, our argument to the legislators is, hey, you want to go home? Except the CRC map. <laughs> <laughs> Very compelling to go home part, believe me, after, after days or so. Absolutely. Interesting point there. Um, let me go back to leadership for a quick section. Dick, let me throw this one to you. Obviously, um, there are charges out there that there's been some thumb scale leaning already for Democrats and for progressives um, in some of the map choices. It, it depends on who's doing the accusation, of course, or the accusing, I should say. Um, are you feeling confident you can survive all those sort of wild rock throwing challenges that are bound to come the legislature's way. You're feeling pretty solid on, on what these guys have teed up so far. 
Well, let me go to the maps that the CRC recommended. Mm -hmm. Okay, the, C, the maps that C, CRC uh, recommended were looked at by Princeton Gerrymandering Project, okay, and judged no partisan gerrymandering. Okay. They hired Dr. Cottrell from the University of Georgia, who has a long history of looking at partisan gerrymandering. He determined that none of the maps that the CRC put forward uh, had partisan gerrymandering. Okay. So we have some objective um, looks at the maps that were put forward to, you know, by the CRC. Mm -hmm. Now, what the legislature does, that's what we're going to be looking at. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at if that, you know, if the um, legislature does change the maps, you know, are, are they for partisan reasons? Or for the history of incumbency protection, right. um, a lot of the maps, you know, a lot of the, the proposed maps paired quite a few incumbents. Um, you know, they they did not look at incumbent addresses at all when they proposed the maps. Mm -hmm. So it ended up pairing uh, some incumbents. We'll see if there's some, you know, manipulation of the maps to avoid that. Mm -hmm. um, we will see. Yeah. That's something we'll be looking at. Absolutely, I'm sure. Uh, Kathleen, one of the maps that got a lot of feedback for us here at New Mexico PBS was the so-called CD1 Super District, <laughs> where you lumped in the two biggest, uh, the two biggest, I guess the two biggest metropolises and just make a big, smaller footprint-wise, but obviously a bigger population-wise. If there was one map I personally heard the most sort of angst about, it was that one. I'm curious what your feedback was on that particular map uh, proposal. I um, I have not heard a lot of feedback, contrary to what you just said, um, mm -hmm. on that one. Um, but I do know that there has there is a lot of um, let's say concern about lumping the two Santa Fe and Albuquerque, right? Yeah, right. Don't seem to be really thrilled with that idea. You know, the it, it appears to us from um, the public input, the North wants to remain the North, and and. Right. Santa Fe is considered the north from from what we can see, and so um, I think it would be it would be a real surprise if we see that vote um, garner a lot of support at the legislature. But we'll see. We'll mm -hmm. see. Dick, please, you have a thought on that? Well, again, you know, we have no position on any of the maps. Sure. Um, you know, so um, but it, it, you know, I, you know, I think, um, you know. Member Radigan, uh, Robert Radigan, who's a state demographer, expressed a lot of concern about that map. Um, but we will see. Um, you know, it, it's one of the three. We're urging the legislature to, to accept one of the CRC maps. Mm -hmm. um, if that's the one they accept, you know, they, they will follow what we're recommending. Gotcha. And just to be clear, in case anyone's tuning in late, you are not recommending, the committee is not recommending any one particular map. Right, exactly. We are, we are, we are, we are looking at the process. Right. Good stuff. I, I, you know, I gotta say guys, you know, I remember the last two go rounds as Dick mentioned, it was a vastly different <laughs> situation. <laughs> Kathleen, you know, this as well, certainly it, it, there's something about it, but I have to say to you folks and the others on the leadership team and your respective organizations, League of Women Voters and Fair Districts for New Mexico, if not now for you guys, when? And I wanna say thank you for everything you did uh, to really get us off on the right track, so to speak, because you were out front even before <laughs> the CRC started meeting, laying out what you would like to see. And I think folks take 
you know, that kind of thing for granted. I, I don't know where we'd be without groups like yours in New Mexico. So I really want to thank you very much. Okay. If I can put this out there, um, may we catch up with you after the sessions is over? If, if something shows itself worth discussing, we're Perhaps the committee will be dissolved by then. Who knows? But, you know, who knows with our politics what might happen. So, First of all, you know, I just want to make a statement. You know, the, the United States is looking at us. The national, we're on the national spotlight. Right. We have an opportunity to shine. Or <laughs> not. Okay. So, yeah. and, and the other thing is there is going to be evaluation of the whole process, process done um, with a team that includes Dr. Sanchez at the University oh, of good Okay. And uh, if that's going to be a longer process, it'll probably be through next year. So, but we're, we're going to be looking at what went right and what went wrong, how we could fix things that, you know, went wrong. Okay. Mm -hmm. That sounds perfect. Kathleen, and Jean, please. Yeah, sure. We're not going anywhere. We're, we're going right. to be uh, fighting for fair redistricting into next year, into the future. We still have work to do. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we would love to come back and talk to you some more. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that for today. Thank you, Kathleen uh, Burke from uh, Fair Districts, New Mexico, and Richard or Dick Mason, or Richard Mason, as we call him as well, uh, from League of Women Voters. Thank you guys very much. This is very, very helpful. Um, we're getting a ton of feedback on this. People are interested. They are very, very interested in this. So we appreciate you spending some time with us for some clarity. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. We'll see you Friday night for the regular show. We've got a lot of good stuff cooking. We're still making some decisions and you'll just have to tune in Friday night, seven o'clock, channel 5.1. We'll see you there. Okay. That's going to do it for this episode of New Mexico and Focus, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McDonald, executive producer here at New Mexico PBS. We thank you so much for tuning in. It's going to be a crazy week with uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. we got some great stuff in store for you. So if you get your tummy full, be sure to uh, listen to us as you're letting that all digest and, and just enjoying time with family and friends. Most of all, stay safe. Stay healthy. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.